I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week, we're talking about grief. Hi guys, it's your girl Livs and we are back with another episode of your favourite podcast. Um, This week, I want to talk about something which is deeply personal, but um, also really difficult. I want to talk about grief. Um, And this past year has opened up a lot of conversations about death and about loss, which I think are super necessary and always relevant. Um, For me, some of you guys may know that my father passed away in November. Um, It's something I've mentioned on the podcast a handful of times, but never really gone into specific detail about. So that is what we're going to do today. And I've got some lovely, amazing guests joining me to have that conversation. Hi, I'm Sienna Bangura and I am a writer, a producer, community organiser and just like multi-hyphenate. And and yeah, I firstly am really thankful that you asked me to be part of this conversation. Um, yeah, I do a lot of work looking at race, class and gender. And so I think within those spaces, I, I reckon grief comes up quite a lot personally and collectively. So, yeah. Um, yeah, my name's Timmy. Um, I'm a music and culture journalist. Um but when it comes to grief, um, I lost two grandparents last year. One of them was my grandma, who was very close to me and the matriarch of my family. Um, so losing her like at the peak of lockdown last year taught me a lot about personal grief and collective grief. Um, and I've kind of been on a journey coming to terms with it um, since then. Hello, uh, my name's Yolanda and I am a bereavement support volunteer and administrator for Cruise Bereavement Care. Um, I've been doing it for three years and I became a volunteer after a multiple losses, including both of my parents and my brother. So tell us about your work. Um, I mean, what does bereavement care look like? So bereavement care is different from counselling. And what we do is look after the bereavement needs of people. That looks like sitting, listening, letting somebody offload and just supporting people through the most difficult period in their life. It's not about telling you what to do. It's not about telling you how you should be. It's about allowing you to understand your grief, your loss and just supporting you and helping you to accept that. And do you mind telling us a bit about your own personal experience in this area with as you mentioned your parents and your brother mm-hmm. let me just say um with grief and loss it's not just about people dying because there's lots of things that we lose 
Um, we can lose our identity, we can lose our purse, we can lose our home, we can lose our jobs. There's been so much loss throughout this coronavirus that people don't realise that they are going through that grieving phase. Um, on top of that, people have lost people. And it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. You don't know sadness until you've been bereaved. And that's when you understand the word sad, because you don't really go to that place. So um, in my own experience, I've had losses from being a little child and didn't realise. So from the age of 13, I lost my stepfather. Um, then in 2000, and I think it was 13, I lost my step-grandma. Then the following year, I lost my uncle. The year after that, I lost my dad. The year after that, I lost my mom, And then six months after that, I lost my brother. We just didn't recover from one loss before grieving another, before having another loss. And it, oh, so eventually when I had five minutes to think about it, the grief hit me. So that grieving looked like becoming angry, becoming short-tempered, feeling anxious in, in loud spaces and with crowds. It felt like loss of motivation. It felt like loss of self-esteem. It felt like feeling like there's no... Why am I here? There's no purpose for me in this life. If all that's going to happen is that you're going to die, why do I need to be here? And that's really that's really how I, I felt. The losses were not all not just about the death of my parents. They were also um, a living loss. My family fell out. So at the time when I needed my family and they needed me, we fell out because of this loss. So the impact of that loss, it was just loss upon loss upon loss. So if you're asking about what's my experience, that's my experience of loss. And that's what led me to do bereavement. Yeah. Sienna, I want to bring you in here because I know you talk a lot in your work about you know, the phrase strong black woman and how problematic that can be. And I know, and you guys can probably relate, when you're grieving, people love to say, you're being so strong. And you kind of think, what other choice do I have? Like you say, I'm being strong, but I feel like I'm really struggling this moment. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what do you have to say about that kind of thing? Ooh, I mean, it's so much. <laughs> Firstly, Firstly, Yolanda, you know, there's nothing I can say really, but your story, all I can do is just send my love. You know, it's a lot. Um, and yeah, this is a very, it's a very, of course, grief is an incredibly difficult thing to talk about. Um, and yet it's, you know, death is actually an inevitable part of life, right? And I was actually, even just before coming to speak with you all, I was actually thinking about my earliest kind of like memories of grief. Um, and actually it started with, I mean, death is often around us, right? So, but in terms of I was thinking in more of a personal way and it gets more personal as I get older. So like I, I started with, um, I think it was year eight, maybe year seven, when a girl called Harriet died at my school, in my class. Um, and, you know, it's quite early days. You're only starting to become friends, aren't you? But I remember she was like becoming one of my really good friends, but it was still really early. And then, you know, the Friday we finished school, Harriet was alive. And the Monday we came in and on the school bus, I just heard something about Harriet is dead. And it was like, and you're like 11 or 12, 12. Yeah. And it was just so like, it was like, what is, what is that? What? And then we get to, and no one's really believing it. It's mad, it's mad, it's mad. And then we sit down in our school assembly and there's just this grave, like feeling in the auditorium. And our head teacher announces that 
Harriet has passed away. We, we're sending all our love to to this class here. And it was just weird. And then we had to go to class and our teachers didn't really know what to do with us and stuff. And I always remember that as like a an early memory. And then my next kind of early memory of it was when a friend of mine, again, someone who I was becoming quite close to called Ayobola, Ayo, he passed away. And I remember with his death, it was a weird one where there was no one to talk to because our only shared friends were like a kind of separate group of people that after he died, we kind of all sort of went our separate ways and went to uni and stuff like that. So there wasn't really anyone to talk to about that death. So it was kind of just something that happened. And I kind of, that was that kind of thing. My friend was alive and then he wasn't and I just keep it moving. And then I was thinking about my friend Alex, who passed away in June 2017. And this is where this question about the strong black woman thing is really interesting. So he was a, you know, I consider him my little brother. And, you know, he um, died of of brain cancer, basically. And, you know, we, we did this massive fundraiser to like, to get him the help that he needed. And we raised loads, loads of money. But you know, money sometimes isn't what's needed, basically. So he passed away. And I just remember, like, on the 3rd of June, actually. And I remember when I found out, I didn't really know what to do with that. But I just remember, I feel like I just remember, like, walking, like, coming down my steps and then just, like, collapsing on the floor. And then my mum and my sister were like, Sienna, what's wrong with her? And I literally, like, couldn't even speak. And I was just, like, crying, 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 crying. And then I feel like his death, and I wrote about it for, um, for Black Ballad. And I actually really talked about this strong black woman thing because I felt completely weak. Like I was crying in my food. I was crying whilst I was brushing my teeth. I just feel like I'm really letting the side down. Like I can't take this kind of thing, you know. And I remember messaging my friends me like, I don't think I'll ever get better. Like I've never felt this before. Like I feel I don't know what I don't know where to how to like cope with this. Um and but the, somehow you do. But I think the thing that I remember was just that guilt, because I was like, if his mum is is holding it down, if his family is holding it down, if the women around him are holding it down, how do I, who's just a friend, how dare I feel this level of grief, you know? And then we come to, so that was, that's grief as I understood it as death, right? But then we talk about loss and, and Yolanda talks about it in these different ways. And then um, I was in a very long term relationship, like six years, and we, we, went our separate ways broke up like um Christmas Eve of 2019 and then um it was a weird one sometimes with relationships you kind of like already start to grieve them even before you finally call it quits so there was that process going on but um that was like my next wave of grief because then we went straight into a pandemic and this was the first time I, I, I had to really engage with like again this thing of I suppose loneliness versus solitude and I think that's something we all had to do during the pandemic, right? But for me, it just felt like there was a lot of like grief and loss compounded. So so yeah, every time there's been this grief, I feel like some of the things I recognise is this idea of like, why do I have to be strong? Like, I hate that. And even when people are trying to help you and be supportive, they're like, you're, as you say, you're so strong. And you're like, no, like, no, I'm... I'm not and that's and that's okay but I do I want to be strong because I do not want to have to feel this level of the pits you know and I think every time you you don't think you'll survive but you are incredibly surprised that you do and you just find a way you know oftentimes you know we understand that a huge part of black life is death and grief but also there's lots of joy but because so often we have to deal with that other side of things we do forget that there's so much joy but when we have to this pandemic is highlighted again you have to keep it moving like because there's things that 
who's paying you basically if you're gonna be in your grief even though you should be allowed and have space to be in your grief you also know that there's stuff in the in the world of the living that you need to handle and so you're just like managing completely brokenhearted the entire time and I and I don't know how we do it to be honest and I don't think it's something that should be praised I think resilience definitely should be praised but I think it is I have a complicated relationship with this expectation, particularly of black women, that we should be resilient and we should be strong. I think it it should be that that's a good thing. But I often think it dehumanizes us and takes away our humanity. And so there have been times when I've definitely felt my humanity has been taken away um, when it's expected of me to be strong. Can I just jump in there? Because everything you say is is so relevant and so valid. But this um, about being this strong black woman. But the question I would ask every strong black woman is how how do you know strength if you don't know softness, gentleness and weakness? You have to experience it all. You have to be everything. You know, we have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to feel pain, to feel every emotion, because we're here to experience every emotion possible. That is all about self-love. And that's the word I'm going to bring here. It's about self-love. Grieving is about self-love, giving you the space, yourself the space to heal. The way you'd care for somebody else, the, the space you'd give to somebody else, you have to give that to yourself when you're grieving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Timmy, I know you lost your grandmother quite recently to COVID. Um, I think it's interesting. I think in the last year, we've got almost so used to death that we forget that these are individuals and you know all of these stories are individual people and you know with lives and families and backgrounds and you know I'm just wondering what has it been like to you for you to kind of to see such a big news story play out where people are talking about the pandemic every single day but it's impacted you in such a personal way that is going to, you know, affect you for years? I mean, what has that been like? Yeah, so firstly, I think it's kind of obvious. It, it was definitely really hard. But I think the emotion that clouded most of last year for me was just anger. I was angry at the government. I was angry at my employers. I was angry at my friends. I was angry at wider society. Just because... I would get angry at how people treated the pandemic and I definitely fell victim to comparing people's levels of grief because I had friends that would like be really struggling not being able to like go out and I just feel like a major sense of anger at them being like okay you're angry that you can't go to Starbucks but here I am like I've lost someone and I found that incredibly self-destructive um and I actually think trying to let go of that feeling of anger was the first step to me coming to terms with my grandma's passing um so my grandma passed away um April last year so that was at the peak of lockdown where the government didn't know what they were doing the NHS was so confused um most of the adults in my family work for the NHS. So my mum's a pharmacist, my auntie's a nurse, my uncle's a social worker, my other uncle's a GP. Um, so I just remember them just like not knowing what was going on in their workplace and also having to deal with, with the loss of their mother. And I think the way the government just handled the deaths and speaking about the death toll, again, made me feel really angry because 
they didn't do much to kind of think about the lives, number of lives lost. For them, it was just a bit of a numbers game, like trying to reduce the number of people dying. And there'd be like BBC news articles written that I'd indulge in just to make myself feel shit. But um, there'd be articles being like, why are so many people dying? And they'd be like, well, most of them are over the age of 80 and they have pre-existing health conditions. Young people are fine. And I'd just be like, okay, you, you say it like these people almost deserve to die or their lives meant less than other people. And my grandma, she was 81. She had had like three strokes beforehand. She was obese. So in the eyes of the NHS and the government, her death wasn't worth, like, breaking their backs over. And seeing how flippant a lot of people were to the number of people that were dying every day, yeah, it made me really angry. But I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm better than everyone else because the reason why it made me so angry and the reason why I was so hyper-aware of it was because I'd lost someone myself. I think if these people had also lost someone, I they probably would understand the anger that I was feeling. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's it's hard to talk about because I feel like that there's a good portion of last year that was just a massive blur. I feel mm. like the months from like April to September are just a bit of a blur. So yeah, sorry if <laughs> what I'm saying is like vague or I'm not really making much sense. No, no, you're making perfect sense. Um, well, well, my dad died as I said in November. Um, he died of a heart attack, so it wasn't related to COVID. But I remember, you know, like me, you're a journalist. So, you know, keeping up with the news is kind of, it's something you have to do. You don't have the luxury of, you know, just stepping away from it completely. And I remember at one point, you know, it'd be like 3,000 deaths today, 2,000 deaths today, 10,000. And you're just, it's just overwhelming. It's just so overwhelming to even to just see that stuff day in, day out. And I think people were becoming desensitized to it. Um, and this idea that, like you said, it was just numbers, it was just graphs and tables, that these weren't individuals anymore. Um, and we know especially that COVID is more likely to affect the BMA community. And, you know, having that affect your life and people discussing discussing it on panels and on TV shows, I mean, I can't imagine how you kind of, how you process that really. Yeah, and I think it was, it would just be those small comments where people would be like, oh, only like 500 people have died today. Like, yes, it's getting better. And I would just, I'd just be like, where have we gotten to where like we're actually feeling happy about that, that like the death toll has gone down. Like that is still 500 people that had friends and families. And again, like I feel like I'm not better than these people because I, I do get days myself, but like I might look at the graph and I'm like, yes, it's going down. Like I can go outside soon. And I'm, it's, it's something that I have learned to not take personally and to like not get angry at people for because like as you've all mentioned grief doesn't only just mean losing people in your life for a lot of people they've been grieving since like March last year because their life has been turned upside down they've lost jobs they've ended relationships like loads of things have happened so I try and see it from their point of view and think okay maybe for them hearing the news in that way is like they're small part of happiness or like that's something that could like get them through the day make them feel better about their situation um and I think trying to like take a bit of a step back and recognize that 
most people aren't malicious. They're not like actually happy that only 500 people are dying for them. They're not saying, oh yes, it's great that 500 people have died. There's, in their head, they're like, no, the situation's getting better, which means that this period we're all going through might come to an end. Mm. It's hard, isn't it? It's such a balance because, you know, a lot of people would say to me things like, you know, there's been so much loss this year. There's been so much loss this year. And I would kind of think, yeah, but mine is, it, it's like, it's in my heart. Like it's deep within me. Like, you know, and and it, it'd be something simple. Like I remember um, last year, Christmas time, you know, every advert on TV would be like, it's been a year that none of us would have forget. And I'd be like, fuck off. Like, I don't need reminding. Like, <laughs> I know it'll be a year I'll never forget. Like, just, yeah, dealing with that kind of thing. Even something as simple as, um, I'm not sure what kind of... Um, what kind of setup you had for your grandmother but my my dad's funeral you know just even just having to walk in with masks and everyone's wearing masks you can't really see people's face it was such a such a crazy experience to go through yeah don't you get me sassed on the whole funeral arrangement process like I know it's um it's definitely changed a lot since my grandma's funeral but yeah that was just awful it was just because so for us it was um you couldn't have more than six people and we had to have masks um but for the funeral directors they we only have six people but the cost of running the funeral was exactly the same it wasn't as if they made it any cheaper because um we couldn't have as many people attending and that was just i i think back to it and i just can't i can't believe my family like we actually got through it um because the funeral was in may um yeah and it, it was just really scary because we were even thinking like should we all meet up with each other like should we congregate like is that just going to put people at risk um and we had to have like an online zoom like songs of service for my grandma and i think it was just really heartbreaking because my grandma was such a big spirit and she was definitely like the main character in her own life which is something that I loved about her and she would always talk about how she wanted that big send-off and we're Nigerian and she said that she wanted to be buried in her village in Nigeria and have a service there and we just couldn't have that and it's something that my mum still brings up to this day about how like that breaks her heart but there was just nothing we could do about it. Can I just say on that and again Timmy that is just heartbreaking and I think just added to the collective grief is you know there's a cultural specificity so this is a horrible time full stop right but then when you add the fact that you know we're black people and this is the same for Asian people for brown people like most of us I'll say all of us to be honest but let's just go with like most have some kind of of ritual that whether it's adapted slightly because we're in the diaspora whatever but like we have certain traditions that take place when someone's born and when someone dies like if nothing else those two points in time never mind marriage and all that kind of stuff right and so to be robbed of your final rights in that way and that cultural specificity especially for people like our grandparents our aunties especially people who maybe longed to go back to their countries at some point and because you know babylon's kept them here for lots of reasons they never got to actually go back they at least in death you would think that they'd be able to have those things and i just think that cultural specificity that's something that pains people and will pain them until until they die and I just feel that's something again that adds to our collective commun- community trauma that maybe people aren't able to process and I think again like Timmy's saying you know your your mum or whoever it is 
will feel that guilt, even though it's not her fault at all. What are you going to do with that kind of guilt? And how do you make someone feel better about not being able to do that one thing that they know that their loved one wanted? Mm. On that um, on that topic of anger, I think something I found really difficult is as time goes on, people check in with you less and less. And of course, that's natural. Like, I'm not expecting you to check in with me every single day. But sometimes I got so annoyed because I felt like people had almost forgotten what I was going through. Like when you lose someone, your whole world stops and you have to realise the world goes on, life goes on. You know, you still have to pick up the pieces and get on with your day job or whatever it might mean and sometimes you just want to scream at the top of the rooftops like I'm not okay and things are not okay and I feel like people have forgotten that almost yeah it's it's um if you think I also work as a carer so I, I understand the importance of um keeping people independent so one of the things is if people keep checking in on you after a grief you expect that and it, it doesn't encourage you to go out and seek other ways of helping yourself so so that space as I'm talking about that space it's really important but every emotion like I'm I'm hearing anger anger's good to express because I've got to put the label of angry black woman as well as well as strong black woman because we repress these emotions or to almost to, to fit into society and be acceptable the acceptable face of society so it's really important that you are expressing these emotions because it's very 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 healthy it kind of links to the feeling of guilt again. So um, when you were saying, Liv, that um, not all days are going to be the same, I was actually really scared of getting to that stage. I almost didn't want to feel better about my grandma's passing because I thought that once I started to be able to get through each day without crying about her, that meant that I loved her less. Um, And then I also didn't want to think ill of her or think about all the wrong things she did in her life because... Again, that would make me think that I was loving her less. Like, it was a very weird and, like, complex feeling where I just didn't really want to let go of the pain that I felt and take her off this pedestal because I thought that if I did two two of those things, then I'd, like, be a bad granddaughter or, like, I'd be... I I wouldn't have I wouldn't love her as much as I thought I did. Um, But I actually realised that seeing my grandma as a person and not as this perfect being helped so much in the grieving process because I realized that in holding on to this pain and in putting her on this pedestal whenever something like bad happened if there was any minor inconvenience I'd straight away be like oh if grandma was here it'd all be okay and doing that just made me like so unnecessarily sad all the time like there'd be really there'd be small things like I might have a falling out with my mom where she'd like Cause I'd like visit home and she'd tell me to wash the plate and I'd be like, that wasn't my plate. And then we'd like have a bit of a tiff over it. And then um, I'd go up to my room and be like, oh, if grandma was here, she'd like tell my mum that she was being completely out of line. And I was like, no, actually, my mum and my grandma were like best friends. My grandma would probably join her side and they'd both like attack me. And that is completely okay. Like me thinking that and accepting that doesn't change how I feel about her. And doing that just helped me get through my days a lot better because it meant that like if... I had inconveniences. I wouldn't then rush to that painful feeling of grief and hold on to that. Um, and if I'm being honest, I only properly started doing that like December, January time. So it's still a process and it's still a thing that I'm having to unlearn. But um, 
yeah, that, that was definitely like um, a watershed moment for me, like realising that helped me so much. And it's important to make, make sure. And I just think especially, you know, as black people as well, because so oftentimes we are not able to be seen as our full selves uh, for lots of reasons. And in sort of a, like a, 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 a more kind of public scale, you know, when someone is killed uh, by the state, for example, right? We don't get to see their full self. We see this one thing that fits a certain narrative often. But like with kind of on this scale, yeah, I think giving people back their full humanity is really, really important. I think we don't do that enough. And it's probably, a, a, I think this is not just a cultural thing among here. I think, yeah, we're always taught don't speak ill of the dead. But if someone was horrible, and I actually think that is, that can be like a really difficult way, like a difficult grief to navigate as well. Like, let's say you know if you're estranged from a family member for example and you find out that they've died and you know you don't have good memories of them but yeah I just think that's a a whole other version of grief as well that kind of understanding that there is a loss almost about like how you feel you should feel about them and that you don't feel that way and you know there's an expectation of how one grieves as well and I think that can be like another added layer of of complexity when it comes to that but this idea of, of grieving the full person and understanding that there's a full story um and I just was so struck by what you said to me about you it would make you think that you love them less you know understanding it doesn't mean that you love them any less it means that you love them as they are and as they were it's powerful yeah it's almost like like you said you have to realize that you know even though the loss feels so 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 overwhelming like this was still a three-dimensional person like I remember people would come to my house and say stuff like oh your dad was such a gentle man I thought no he wasn't like no he wasn't (laughs) I don't know where you're getting that from and yeah just realizing that you know people aren't perfect even after death you know you don't have to pretend like they were an angel you kind of remember them how they actually were and I actually I could like just jump off that point I think we've all seen that almost go too far where like society makes a martyr out of black people but in doing so actually strips them of their humanity like the whole thing about how Breonna Taylor's death was treated I think is a perfect example of that like people kind of put this label onto her which if she was alive today she wouldn't probably wouldn't have wanted and they just made a martyr out of her, made it into this some like ethereal being that like did no wrong and like lived a life of purity. And I actually think that in doing so really stripped her of her humanity. And it was almost scary to see how that was done. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think seeing that made me realize that, yeah, okay, on a personal level, it's actually important to treat dead people as the humans that they were and not make them into these people that they're not because it it's it's actually not good for our community as a collective to do that I don't think well I don't think so personally um but yeah Mm. someone wrote about that and um it was called the like the memification of Breonna Taylor I don't know if you heard and it was just this idea yeah she almost became like a, a virtual signal for oh I care about black people hashtag Breonna Taylor like under everything under something that meant like I had nothing to do with her and kind of memifying her and, and yeah like de- like just stripping her of what was left and I think again it's on that kind of you know that kind of area it's this idea of like only good people are worthy of our grief um, and that's a whole other complex thing only good people are innocent people are worthy of our sadness you know, if you think about this um, story of um, Makia Bryant, I don't know if you've heard about 
about her and and the you know the way that narrative has gone basically and it seems although she was a child she's not worthy of our grief she's not her black life doesn't matter because of the circumstances that some people saw in in, in the video of her final moments so yeah I, I think that really links to the societal standard of only good people particularly if you're a black person or a person of color uh, only only good people are worthy of of that kind of sadness I was just going to talk about um, the people we support as well, because um, we support anybody and every everybody, you know, whether you, you're perceived as doing right or wrong, because sometimes right and wrong is a perception. Legal laws are different from moral laws sometimes. So um, everybody grieves, whether you're good, you're bad. Oh, that's not my word, this bad. Um, and it's really important what you say about um, seeing people as humans um, I know a lot of people feel guilty, especially if somebody's been ill. And this is something that came into my mind as you were talking. If somebody's been ill and they die and that person feels relief, they feel really guilty. They feel really bad. I shouldn't feel like this. You know, however, some people watch some somebody dying. This is on the other aspect from a sudden death. Some some deaths can be years and years and they can be really painful and can be really traumatic in the same way. But um, it's really important to, to, like I say, acknowledge however you feel about a person, feeling guilty that they weren't perfect or feeling guilty that they, they died, but also letting go of that. Because what, what benefit does it have to beat, you up, beat yourself up with that guilt? How does it make you, anybody feel better? But it is the humanization and, and not the idolization of people, really, because that's what we do, don't mm. we? Dad's dead, but dad was this. Per- no, dad wasn't this perfect person. Yeah, he's exactly. A, he's a human <laughs> and being. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, he was. A, yeah. He's your dad, but he's still a, a man. You know. You, yeah, so. he was still really annoying sometimes, <laughs> yeah. and that's fine to say. And actually, now. I'm in a place where I can laugh about some of his annoying habits. Whereas before it was like, you can't acknowledge that. You can't talk about that. You can only talk about him in a good way. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's progress as well. I mean, one question, one question I'd ask you is, um, what, have, what have you learned from your own grieving about helping others? Mm. I think I've realised how much of a roller coaster grief is because... I'm quite this bubbly person and there were times in the last few months especially when I've been out with friends and you know I've been in a good place I've been in a good mood like I'm happy to to be out and to see my friends and I think people think oh she's in a good place and it's like yeah I was in a good place that day but doesn't mean I haven't stopped grieving like doesn't mean that was the end like that it you know I could be happy and bubbly one day and literally on the floor crying the next like you know, it, it, it literally is a roller coaster, and just constantly checking in with people and not not expecting them to, because they seem fine that like, oh, like they're kind of, they're on the road to recovery now. Like just let them express their emotions as and when. Oh, that resonates so much with me, Liv. I was going to say, I feel like I remember it was really difficult when someone's like, how are you to answer that? Because it feels so big. And then a small change um, was, you know, how my mum started doing it. How are you today? 
I it made the world difference because I could answer that I could answer how am I today I'm feeling like this but I found it incredibly hard so that's like a small thing that I try to do when I know someone's going through it wherever it is it's like how are you today because that's an easier thing to answer this big question of how are you right and then the other thing I suppose is just you know understanding because I feel again like we always just feel like we need to have the right thing to say and like the right answers and you're scared to like get it wrong especially when someone's already hurting but I guess just from me, from my experience, knowing like what I guess it seemed that I needed, which was just to be to know that there's people, even if I don't want to talk to them, whatever, but just to know that they're thinking about me and to know that they care. And, and when I'm ready to speak to them, that they will be there. I think for me, I, I just want to, I suppose, be that person put into practice, you know, reach out. I might not have exactly the right words, um, but like I've said in the past, I've tried to reach out to people and be like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I, I have the right words or anything like that, but I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Um and and kind of I think that that matters so that's kind of the, the two things I've learned how are you to how are you today is a much easier thing to answer than how are you it's too big and also just let people know that you're thinking about them it can actually mean so much um I think so I think for me the main thing is um not to do the whole like categorization of people's grief um I think I'm definitely so much more empathetic to how loss is such an individual thing to everyone um and just being a bit more respectful of people's feelings like if they're feeling like they've lost something or the feelings that sense of grief like who am I to question it like that's just how they feel um and I'm not gonna lie to you like I think before my grandma passed away I would kind of look at people and be like oh that was just like someone you went to school with like that's not your mum, it's not your dad. But now I really understand that, like, if they're feeling this way, their feelings are valid and you just have to be there for that person. Um, so it's definitely a good lesson to have learned that I'm going to hold close to me for the rest of my life. Yolanda, I've got to ask you now, what is it that you've learned about grief? I guess not just from a personal point of view, but a professional one too. So what I've learned is how incredibly hard people are on themselves. So self-love is the most important thing. And this is the time in your life when you have to learn about self-love. It's really, you have to wrap yourself in cotton wool. You have to, I keep saying it, allow yourself, but you do have to (laughs) allow yourself just to be, just for the first time in your life, take the pressure off. I've learned a lot about empathy. I've learned a lot about how to actually open my heart and love properly. Because I think I loved fearfully before, but now I love it with my whole heart because what's the worst that can happen? Because it already has, as he said to me, it's already has. So it's just what death can teach you is how to live. So live your life. You only have one life. Make sure you're doing what you want to do in your life. Um, that is so important. Just if you've got any dreams or do them, even if it doesn't work out, just try it. Just do it. If there's anything, it's it's don't don't die because that person has died. Live because you are keeping their memory alive. Just live life and be and try and be happy. Whatever happiness looks like to you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope that whoever you are and whatever's happening in your life that in some way this might help in some small way um and thank you so much for allowing me to have the platform to talk about this topic and to my guests as well you can find out all about them in the description below please continue to share and support the dope black women movement you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook till next time stay blessed
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 